It's time for episode 131 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, April 6, 2016. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that's counting the seconds, but to what? I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I'm joined, as I am every week, by my co-host, Jason Snell. Hi, Jason. Hi, Dan. Are we counting up, or is it, a count- is it one of those threatening countdowns? No, we're just counting them. We just want to know how many there are. Okay, like counting sheep. Yeah, exactly. Okay. This is how we fall asleep. It's the service we provide. Excellent. Uh, we have with us two excellent guests, as we do every week. This week, to my left, the uh, editor of The Wire Cutter, Jackie Chang, is here. Hi, Jackie. Hi, thanks for having me. Welcome back. Thank you. And, and to my left, you know him from uh, Fox News. He's got his own podcast. He's, he, he may be involved in, uh, he may own buildings in your neighborhood for all I know. Uh, <laughs> but he, he's the most tech savvy of all television anchors. It's Clayton Morris. Hi, Clayton. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> right. Thank you, caller. <laughs> Do you want to take your answer off the air? Please or? stay on the air for your answers <laughs> or, or this podcast won't work. Uh, all right, Dan. Uh, so we talk about four tech topics in less than 30 minutes, as we do every episode. You you were up first, though. So what do you have? All right. So earlier this week, Jeff Bezos, the head of Amazon, tweeted out a tease that there might be new Kindles coming next week. Well, might be. There are new Kindles coming next week, apparently. So my question for you guys is, what is, what might be announced in these Kindles that would convince you to upgrade, or what do you think would sort of be make these compelling? We've obviously had Kindle e-readers for many a year now, so what is left, Jackie? You know, that's an awesome question. Uh, <laughs> I you, actually, I've been thinking about this a lot, because, um, you know, I don't really know. I suppose if I were to cherry-pick little things here and there, I might say, like, it would be cool to have a night shift like uh, feature on Kindle, you know, blue light blocking or whatever. Otherwise, I don't really know. Like, honestly, the, the life cycle of a Kindle is th- these things last so long. Like, you would almost never, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I am eager to hear what you guys think um, might be useful because to me, they're already so uh, jam packed with features that are useful for Kindles that it's like, you know, where else do you go? I I had the exact same thought, which is which is okay. W- w- let's take some bets about what this would be. Now I- I'll go a- out on a limb and say I'll probably buy it because I'm a sucker. I think I've bought every single high uh, like top of the line Kindle generation that has existed, uh, and I have a Kindle Voyage now, so I will probably get it. Uh, but I I because uh, I'm dumb that way. But I'm not quite sure what they could do because you're right. This feels in some ways like a a, a pretty perfected product. So I guess I would say I. Um, if the screen resolution is higher, you know, the clo- it's closer and closer to paper, but it's not quite there yet. The typography could still be sharper. And I would love to have something that was essentially a retina screen for Kindles. And the current screen, while high resolution, is not, it's still, you know, still feels like chunky text. It's not, it could be even better than it is now. So that's, that's sort of my top feature. I, and uh, my other feature, I would say, is physical buttons to click to the next and previous page on the Voyage, they added this kind of haptic thing where you squeeze the edge of the of the frame and uh, it advances, but uh, that's not the same as a physical button, and it's also too easy to tap accidentally on the screen and get a page forward. So those are my complaints that I think they could address. But really, in the end, it's a pretty great product, and uh, you know I, they may have perfected it. So uh, maybe yeah, I, I uh, beyond those, I have no idea. Clayton. 
you know, it's so weird because as I look at these Kindles and I've got a bunch of Kindles laying around the house and I can't tell them apart, you, ever, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I guess as a first world problem, kin, Kindle eye laying around the house, I, I pick them up. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Is that one the one with the little white button that lights up on the left side or the white, the little line? Is that the Kindle Paperwhite? <laughs> Is that the Kindle Voyage? I would like enough of differentiation in the Kindle line so that I could recommend them ah. to my audience. You know, it just feel like it's hard for me to tell the difference. And quite honestly, I don't see them as much as I used to. I like my Kindle, and I agree with you, Jason, typography, a little sharper. That might be nice. And Jackie, like a little night shift mode, maybe something where it doesn't blind my wife you know, while she's trying to sleep. But I frankly don't ever pick it up anymore. I'm, I, I just took a trip with the new iPad Pro, the 9.7-inch, and I was at Disney, and I was out by the pool in the sunlight, and I was reading a book with the new, like, you know, less reflective screen, and it was fine. And I don't see them on airplanes anymore. I very rarely see them on planes. So I don't know. I don't know how many people are. Do we actually have sales numbers for these, by the way? No. no. Nope. Right. <laughs> Jeff Bezos says they're great. Yeah. Right. There's, a, there's a graph with an arrow going up. Yep. <laughs> there are no axes on that graph. So yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I actually just bought a new Kindle because I had a really old one that was the old one with a little D-pad button. Mm. Uh, and I bought the – they put the earlier ones on the sale, so I bought a Paperwhite, which is great in the you know 24 hours or so that I've used it. Uh, I, I have a backlight now, and it is a sharper display than the older Kindle. Um, so it feels like a huge improvement to me. But actually, I, you know, I was thinking about it. And I realized the one thing that you know they haven't really done yet, and it's because the technology has been prohibitive to date, is color. Um, and I don't know if that's something that's feasible yet. It seems like they it's been a, a long time trying to get color inking displays to be to a point where they're you know cost effective and work the way as well you know providing the same benefits that you get from a traditional black and white e-ink screen. But I feel like going forward, if you do want to sort of take people away from shifting over to their iPads, then having a color screen might be something that you are investing a lot of time in R&D into. Uh, and for those of us who I, I know, Jason, for example, likes reading comics on his iPad. But, it, you know, if you could read comics as well as books on your Kindle, that might be compelling for some people. So I don't know that that's what they'll go towards, but I, I got to think they're at least working on trying to get a color Kindle because otherwise, as you all said, what is there left to do, really? A color ki Kindle DX would be killer. Remember that thing, the DX? Yeah, the giant one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, but but I'm sure that would not be cheap either. Uh, thank you all for your thoughts on that matter, and we'll move on to topic number two from Jackie. Um, great. So I guess, you know, I've been engaging in a lot of debates with various people lately about, um, you know, how often we are all sort of talking to our devices uh, these days <laughs> now that... You know, now that Siri is kind of in almost everything, if I think it's in everything pretty much, um, and, you know, Alexa, and now there's like 10 million smart devices. Um, so I don't know. I just thought I would sort of float it as an open-ended thing. Um, how much are you talking to robots in your daily life? And do you think that this is like mainstream yet? Is it still kind of a nerd thing? This is kind of, that's the core of the debate that I've been having with people. So I'm just curious to know what you guys think. I I think it is uh still a nerd thing but is going to explode at some point. Um I think the the sign if if we take the, the kind of nerd audience as a as a a forerunner of the general public, which I think sometimes it is that we're we're just ahead of the curve, but that same thing will happen in the general population just a little bit later. Um, I look at something like the Amazon Echo, which was initially greeted with skepticism and has uh, increasingly sort of won over all of these skeptical tech 
techie people. And I, I will say it is also won over the skeptical non-techie people in my house. Uh, and and that makes me think that there is a future for this, that although there's novelty in shouting at, uh, at your phone, that uh, the, the Amazon Echo suggests that uh, a, a voice device that's just kind of hanging around in your house and is available for you to ask it questions and all that is something that people would probably use. But I feel like it takes it to be like just in the air of your of your living room for it to be something that people want. And it and they need to and they need to get a lot better, too. I think uh, we might be a little more kind to them than the general public because we know how hard it is to do that. But in the end, it isn't a lot of the conversation about Siri, the dumb things that it says. So. I, I, you know, that I think is a, still a stumbling block, but I'm more optimistic than I was because I think the echo shows that there might be a way forward. Yeah, I think, Jason, you you and I were talking at the Apple event. Uh, we were in line getting some croissants mm-hmm. and we were talking about the just how compelling the echo is in in our in our lives and in our in our homes. And I think with, you know, my kids come down first thing in the morning, like my son is five, my little girl's three. And if they're just curious, they'll say, you know, Alexa, what's the forecast for today? And they love it, you know, or they'll, they'll play, you know, play a song, play Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer during the holiday, whatever it is, you know, and before dinner, you got your hands full of stuff and you're making dinner. And then just to be able to say, play jazz playlist, you know, something like that. I think that is so compelling where it's sort of just there and it's available and you know kind of how to access it very quickly. I think with, with iOS and Siri and some of these other fiddly things sometimes it's okay do i double tap the digital crown to activate (laughs) that oh wait no no the screen is on okay now what the screen is on now i can say it now it'll respond like there there's just like a little barrier to entry i think for most people i even have a a close friend we'll go out to have drinks and and i'll we'll be talking about sports scores and different things like that and he'll say well i don't ask your phone i mean he has a six plus in front of him but he still puts it on me because i think to him he still thinks of it as too nerdy but if he had an uh, if he had an echo in his house, he'd be using it every day. Yeah, to answer your question, I talk to robots a lot, just all the time, <laughs> constantly. Uh, no, I've been long been a proponent of the echo, uh, and I just picked up an echo dot to test out this weekend, uh, and you know. Uh, I like them both quite a bit for a lot of the reasons you guys have described. Uh, they're always there. They're always on. It does feel a lot like being on, like, you know, the bridge of the Enterprise and saying, computer, tell me this thing. Um, and that is a experience, I think, that we are uh, trending towards. Like Jason said, like, you know, if we are the predictors of that, being the, the nerd early adopters that we are, uh, then it may not be mainstream yet, but I think it will be mainstream within the next few years. And as these systems only get better and better at parsing our queries and get more capabilities and allow us to do more things, uh, I think they will become a bigger and bigger part of technology. Because, you know, in the same way that I think the touchscreen really changed the way that we interact with our computers by making it much more direct, uh, for many people, voice is even more so. And you don't always need, you know, a screen in front of you to get certain information, whether it be the weather or traffic or the news or what have you. You want to be able to do other things uh, while you're listening. And that's that's the thing I I love the Echo for the most is I use it in the kitchen uh, when I'm washing dishes or cooking and I can have the news on or I can ask it questions and it's it's always there, always ready. I don't have to, if I've got my hands covered in something because I'm baking or, or cooking, I don't have to find my my iPhone uh, from another room or, you know, hit a button on my iPad or whatever. So voice computing, I think, is is one of those ways that we are moving increasingly. It won't be the only model of interaction, but I actually think it will be pretty common. Yeah, I guess I um, never really thought of myself as one of those people, but I do make a lot of 
reminders and appointments and calendar things uh, using Siri. And I've noticed that a lot of kind of non-techie people that I know are doing that too. So I think that it depends on the activity too. And I agree with you guys um, that it'll probably spread eventually uh, to more and more stuff and people just need to get into the right mindset. But I think that everyone's dabbling already. Um, so yeah, I guess welcome to our new robot overlords. <laughs> That's, they're disembodied. They're just robot voices though. So wait until they have bodies and <laughs> then, then we'll be in trouble. Um, well, that's great. There are two topics down. We've got two more topics to go, but I want to take a break. It's halftime. Tell you about our halftime sponsor. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Linode, a combination of high-performance SSD Linux servers spread across eight data centers around the world. It makes it a fantastic solution for your server infrastructure. Linode is my server infrastructure, by the way. I have a Linode server that serves my website and my podcast network. So yeah, I can endorse this service. You get a server running in less than a minute. Plans start at just $10 a month. Uh, it's incredibly uh, uh, stunning how cheap these plans are for full-on servers on the internet. You can choose your resources, choose your Linux distro, choose your node location, all from their cool web-based manager tool. And once you're up and running, you can deploy it, boot, and resize your virtual server with just a few clicks. Linode servers offer industry-leading native SSD storage, powerful Intel E5 processors, and access to the enormous 40 gigabit network with multiple levels of redundancy. And of course, all of their pricing tiers feature hourly billing with a monthly cap, so you will not get an ugly surprise at the end of the month. There are more than 400,000 customers served by a 24-7 support team, even over the holidays. It's great for tasks like running a private Git server, hosting large databases, running a mail server, operating powerful applications, so much more, running a podcast network, running a tech blog, all of these things also. Uh, as a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com slash clockwise, you'll not only be supporting us, you'll get $20 toward any Linode plan and you get a seven-day money-back guarantee, so there's nothing to lose to give it a try. Go to linode.com, that's L-I-N-O-D-E.com slash clockwise to learn more, sign up and take advantage of the $20 credit or or just use the promo code CLOCKWISE20 at checkout. Thank you to Linode for supporting CLOCKWISE. All right, halftime's over. Time for topic number three. It's from me. Uh, remember that dream? This was a dream when the Wi-Fi, uh, when the Wi-Fi came out. Remember the Wi-Fi? <laughs> um, uh, you go to a coffee shop and you just sit there all day and like drink coffee and are on Wi-Fi and you do your job and you work at the coffee shop. Now, I, I don't know if that was ever true for very many people, although I, I'm sure it was true for Dan. Um, so my question is today, today, do you ever do that thing where you work in a public place that's got Wi-Fi and that's your, that's your, your place for the day? Uh, and how often would you do that? That if you if you do do that i'm just curious i'm taking taking a survey clayton do you ever go to a cafe and use the free wi-fi and get some work done every day no joke i've got a nice wow. home office and i've got I'm, I'm talking to you right now on my 27 inch imac which i you know spend a lot of money on and then i leave the house and just have to like get out of the house um i think i think our mutual friend andy anako has this same problem like we just we just need to go. We just need to get out, kind of hop around to feel productive somehow. So no, I'll drop my son off at the school in the morning, and then I will go to the gym. And our gym, the Lifetime Fitness Place, has a – they just upgraded their Wi-Fi. So I think in the beginning, it was kind of like crappy Wi-Fi everywhere, and you'd be like, why am I doing this? Just to be out here having coffee? This is ridiculous. But now, I think Wi-Fi connections, we have Google – you know. Google speeds over at the Starbucks and then really fast Wi-Fi at my gym. So I'll, I'll do my workout and then I'll sit down and like, I'll block out like an hour and a half of time where no one bugs me and I can just get a lot of work done. And it's great. I do it like every day. Yeah. Well, like Clayton, I, I too go out 
pretty much every morning to the coffee shop. Not far away. Jason has been to that coffee shop. I have. Um, and yeah, they have free Wi-Fi and they have delicious baked goods. Which is good. But like Clayton, I need to I need to get out. I need to walk because I have a home office. Um, it's got a nice iMac in it, just like you. But there's something always about being in the house that's in some ways more distracting. Like there's other things you could or should be doing. Ah, uh, there's dishes piling up in the sink. Ah, uh, my office is a mess, you know. And ah, uh, there's an Xbox right next door. I mean, I could be playing Xbox <laughs> right now. Why right. am I even on this podcast? Uh, and so, you know, I, I feel like if I go out, it forces me to focus a little bit more on the task at hand. And some people find that counterintuitive because, oh, there's people around. Doesn't get noisy and busy. It's like, yeah, a little bit. But like in some ways, that fo- makes me work harder to concentrate on the task I have. It lets me bring a little more mental energy to it. So I, I find it a, a really helpful thing for me. I especially like writing at the coffee shop just because, you know, then when people ask me if I'm working on my novel, I can say, yes, I actually am. Um, and it just it helps me sort of you know work against all the distractions and actually get things done so yeah i the dream is real jason it's not a nightmare you can live it um well i i do not leave the house every single day so i actually am very um i'm i'm totally envious of of you dan <laughs> um and clayton but i yeah it, the dream is real for me too i um i probably go work out of a public place like maybe twice a week um i would like to do it more uh, I have a lot of phone calls and stuff, so I don't want to bother people too much. But, um, yeah, there's actually like two, at least two, if not, you know, three or four, uh, coffee shops near me within walking distance that are set up for this. I mean, they have power outlets everywhere. Like a lot of places now have tables with power outlets built in, um, you know, and Wi-Fi and printing services and stuff. There's a great coffee shop called Filter down the street that I go to all the time that you can basically do everything you would do there, um, you you can do everything you would do in like a co-working space, but it's a coffee shop. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's great. It For me, it is just the need to get out of the house and the need to not feel um, like a homebody and, you know, like I have nowhere to go. Now we don't even need outlets. Why, where was this five <laughs> years ago? <laughs> I know, right? Well, I, people plug in their phones a lot. <laughs> That's true. The the phone batteries die fast. Well, this has been really interesting. Um, not entirely the response that I expected. Obviously, we're people with kind of non-traditional uh, job and life patterns that, that can enable this. But it's good to see that the dream is alive. For me, I also work at home, and yet I find that I don't go out and use the free Wi-Fi at a ca- cafe or something. I think something something about um, having my office in my garage that I feel like this is my this is my workspace and then and then when I'm in here I'm not in the rest of the house. I don't keep thinking about the Xbox that's also not very far away from me, Dan. Um, but uh, but I did I go out to a Starbucks a couple of times while I was writing my review of the new iPad because I thought it would be kind of interesting to like let's actually be mobile with this uh, this new iPad Pro. And uh, it was actually kind of enjoyable just as a change of pace. So Maybe I see what you all see in in it, and maybe I'll do that a little bit more. Um, so cool! The dream is alive. The dream from the early early two thousands it it lives with the Wi Fi. Uh, we have time for one more topic, Clayton. What do you have for us? Well, it's a perfect segue into the idea that I've been thinking about lately, and this idea. So I want to explore this, maybe like in a little esoteric level here, about this idea that we're being pulled to just leave the house with an, with an iPad and sort of leave our laptops behind. Like every day I try to leave the house with an iPad to get my work done, but sometimes, you know, I just end up throwing my MacBook Pro in the bag as well. So I just thought it'd be interesting to explore what is that pull that I think we're trying to, we kind of want to get there somehow, but we're not quite there yet. Dan, what do you think? 
Well, you know, it's interesting. I have the opposite problem, which is I always put my MacBook Air in my bag, and then I'm like, should I bring the iPad? Yeah, I should bring the iPad just in case I need to do something on it. Uh, and I've definitely tried to go out with just the iPad on a few occasions or travel with just my iPad. And I think the, it's always just that concern for me that there will be something that I want to do that I can't. And it's not even as true anymore that there are, you know, such glaring problems with, with iOS, right? Like, I feel like I can do 95 to 99% of what I need to do on iOS. But I guess maybe it's like a safety net thing. I feel like, oh, man, something might come up. And for, for whatever reason, I, you know, I might need to record a podcast while I'm out at the coffee shop. That's <laughs> right. unlikely to happen. Like, like, dist- <laughs> like distance anxiety, like the people. Well, exactly electric cars right yeah exactly so I, was like, oh, well, I, mean, I shouldn't go too far yeah i need i need to carry something so i i think that ios is really good and it's gotten us most of the way we need to go and for me maybe it's just a matter of preference still that i really like the mac uh and working on my mac in a way that the ios hasn't quite won me over it's always still kind of the new kid on the block right now um but i i think that i am tempted to you know move to a more ios workflow and i know a lot of folks that do get by uh mostly with their ipad but i just I, i'm not there yet i feel like i need that safety net I actually, I mean, it depends on what I'm doing. And I guess I think about what I'm about to do um, a lot before I leave the house. So I pretty much am iOS only, except when I'm working. Uh, and that's not even including writing, because I write on on iOS devices. Um, so if I'm doing other stuff, like spreadsheets and stuff that I normally do for work, then I will bring my computer. But otherwise, I'm I'm not bringing my MacBook Air to on like vacation or like out with me just for fun. Um, you know, I guess... For me, I, I really thought about this before we started the podcast, and I think that the reason I have to use the computer for certain things is just because those are sort of mm, those are uses that are harder to do on the iPad, pretty much like you know spreadsheets. As everyone knows, Google Docs is pretty much awful on yeah. iOS, um, <laughs> and we we use Google Docs all the time, so it's very exciting. Um, but no, like I, I think that. I actually love going iOS only uh, when I'm otherwise not, you know, steeped in work, uh, just because it's think the devices are like literally more portable. You know, they're not as unwieldy. You don't have to open and close them um, like a laptop if you don't want to, of course. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you have an iPad Pro or something with a keyboard, that's a different story. But you know, I don't know. I think that it really depends on what I'm doing, and I think more people actually do do this than we realize, probably. Yeah, I was um, out in the in the backyard yesterday. Uh, I was writing a story at the table outside, um, and I had a baseball game playing in picture in picture. Um, while I was working, I was like, "This is pretty good," and I was able to sort of like flip open uh, the the slide over to check my email, and then f- slide it away, and then continue writing. And I thought, you know, iOS is most of the way there, um, and and I like how it's a little bit more constrained. Uh, I would I would prefer to travel just with it. There are just too many constraints. Um, I've talked about much, you know, a lot before that uh, Apple doesn't allow sort of like arbitrary uh, multiple apps to grab the same input. So you can't do what is a requirement for most of us podcasters, which is talk on Skype while you're also recording your microphone locally. It doesn't support that yet. Hopefully, maybe iOS 10 would do that with a new adapter that came out. You now can uh, power a lot of USB devices that you couldn't before without, and also without draining the battery of your device. So that gets me closer to it. I can already edit podcasts on it. And podcasts are always the thing that's sort of been in the way of, uh, of me doing that last little bit. And then the other thing I would say is the ability to import files from extra 
external devices is still a problem on iOS that I hope they, they deal with. Now that we've got things like iCloud Drive, where you can arbitrarily kind of pick a file out of a pile of files, um, they need to do that for uh, for uh, storage cards. Because I could bring my uh, po- portable audio recorder with me and record on that instead of my iPad. The problem is, what do I do with the memory card? You can't import audio files off of a memory card into an iPad because it doesn't support external storage devices in that way, only for photos and video. So I I feel like Apple's really close to solving all of my problems. I don't know if they're focused on my needs or if they're focused on the needs of far more people than just me personally, but I feel like we're we're very close for me to be able to travel without uh, a Mac at all, but I'm not there yet. Yeah, I just think it was it's sort of an elegant solution. Maybe that's the pull for me. And I love the simplicity of it. And yesterday, we were moving to a new house. And, and so I went over to take some measurements. And I took the new iPad Pro and I just took with a great camera, took pictures of the room and using this great notes app, brought took out the Apple Pencil with the tape measure, went over, measured the windows and then drew nice lines with, you know, nine feet here, you know, and six feet there. And and was able to send that all back to my wife. And there was like, we have this like little digital notebook of every room with measurements that I was able to do on the iPad and then, then go to the coffee shop and do some emails with the same, very same device, which I would never be able to do on a MacBook. Yep. Yeah, that's it's nice. It's the dream. That's the dream. Maybe not just coffee shop Wi-Fi, but the iPad everywhere. <laughs> we existence. solved everything for, for a very hey, narrow so- <laughs> group of people. Shut it all down, guys. No more problems. Uh, well, that's four topics. We've been we got some flack for saying we're, there's just enough time for a bonus. Topic, plenty of time, but, this, time um, this week. Plenty, plenty of time. time for a bonus topic. Plenty of time. Okay. So as Jason mentioned, I think at the top of the show, uh, I am I'm going on a flight this evening, and so my question for you guys is: in this age of so many digital delights, uh, what do you do? How do you occupy your time on a long? This is a cross country, so I'm going from Boston to Seattle. So how would you occupy your time on a uh, nice cross country flight there, Jackie? I actually love reading my Kindle uh, to, to draw it back to the beginning here. I love reading my Kindle on flights. I like finish books constantly on flights more so than other environments. Um, I don't know if it's like the whole mental thing about being on a flight and disconnected from everything, but um, I read a lot. That's pretty much almost exclusively what I do. Yeah, I'm I'm with Jackie. I read a lot on flights, much more. I will occasionally watch a TV show or a movie, but mostly I'll read on flights. And if I need to be productive on a flight, the other thing I do is is wait for it, edit podcasts. And and seriously, the, it's the it's the best place to edit podcasts because you don't need to be on the internet. Uh, you've got things in your ears, so you don't need to hear the sound of the airplane. You can just focus. And I am incredibly productive at working on podcasts on airplanes. It's my favorite place to edit a podcast. Uh, see, so maybe that's what I should do. You you'll all be down at your Wi-Fi cafes, and I'll just take flights randomly around to get work done. <laughs> I'm a total weirdo. I mean, you probably knew this, but um, I'm, I'm a, <laughs> like, before a flight, I, I just, I get like flight anxiety, and I feel like, oh crap, I'm going to be on there for six hours. I better have like everything I need. So I'll load up like a few <laughs> movies, like a bunch of old Star Trek episodes, a few like new Flash episodes I haven't watched, whatever, some comic books, and I just get my iPad like filled with things. And then I get on the flight and I feel guilty that I'm not reading like Jackie. So then I don't watch any of the stuff I loaded up and I end up like reading a whole book and returning emails and using the in-flight Wi-Fi. And then I'm like, why did I waste all that time downloading all that stuff before I left? 
Yeah, Clayton, I think you and I are cut from the same cloth because I also load up my iPad with. I just downloaded a bunch of stuff in Marvel Unlimited, upload some TV shows, <laughs> right. rented movies. I'm like, ah, I've got everything because I get a little anxious on, on like flights. I still don't love flying. I do actually usually end up watching a lot of TV, if only just because I don't like feeling like uh, I'm constantly aware of like uh, my knees hurt, I'm cramped, and it's just a good way to take my my mind off the flight. But I do more recently. It depends. Like if I'm really into a book, I might be like reading that book for the entire flight. But a lot of times, I just I don't feel productive, and I just want to take my mind off the fact that I'm stuck in a giant metal tube. Ah, <laughs> uh, so thank you all for that. I'll take those tips into account as I as I wing my way over ahead tonight. Um, so that's for that's a bonus topic. I think uh, I think we're done, Jason. Right? I think we did it. I don't know if this was the perfect episode, Dan, but uh, it was uh, close. Felt pretty darn perfect to me. And a big part of that was our guest, Jackie Chang. Thank you so much for being back. Thank you. And Clayton Morris, it was great to have you on. We should have you back again sometime. Well, thank you for having me. It's great being here. All right, Dan, uh, have, a good, to, ha- uh, have a good flight. <laughs> yeah, on to uh, episode 132. Yeah, that's right. You'll be back next week, though. You're not, gonna, you're not like uh, leaving me forever, right? No, no, no. I'll be back. I'm not going anywhere. Okay. Well, I'm going somewhere, but I'm not going but you're coming anywhere, back. anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going somewhere and coming back. Great. All right. Well, thanks to everybody out there for listening. Uh, We have just enough time to tell you watch what you say and keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.